Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, getting ready for summer, doing a lot of stuff there, Derek. Get, uh, planning out our route to the Rockies. Yes, yes. That's going to be quite the road trip. You know what? There's And there's we're going to be paddling along the way as well, stopping in various spots. So we're taking the two canoes, and uh, I think everybody's looking forward to it. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, first, what, couple weeks of July, heading out to the Rockies. Hope, we'd hope to be there for Canada Day, but uh, unfortunately a kink in the plans already. But uh, yeah, hitting some of the major rivers and whatnot along the way and uh, going to see a lot of things. So that means you might be able to join me and uh, Mike Burns on uh, Canoe Lake for the 150-150 event. You betcha. On June 24th, which June, is a Sunday, yep. Yep. I believe. Um, June 24th or 25th? Yeah, something like that. It's... <laughs> One of those Well, days. the 24th, yeah, 24th is the uh, Saturday. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was the day we were supposed to leave. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now things have changed, so. Uh, but no, we're looking forward to that and uh, getting a few things done. Uh, now, I know a lot of people were already thinking of heading into Algonquin to do a, a couple of get-togethers and stuff like that. But uh, this point, I think they're going to be a bit disappointed. Yeah. I know one of them was supposed to be like next week. A lot of people are like the, the, uh, the Algonquin Park trout season starts on April 22nd. So that was what, started. last week? Yeah. Yeah. So now at that time, thinking back, the ice wasn't out. So people are already delaying trips. Not going to, like, there's too much ice. You can't take a canoe out into the water. Even if the ice is breaking up, it's too hard to push through and stuff like that. It's not safe. You can't walk on the ice. You can't travel around the ice. There's, and unless they get a big windstorm, it's just not going to open up. So right now the uh, park staff, Friends of Algonquin Park and Algonquin Provincial Park staff are predicting a late ice out this year. Yeah, so you gotta, you just gotta be careful. Stay off the, definitely stay off the ice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're unfortunately you gotta check the conditions, and you may end up having to postpone your first trip of the year for a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, there's lots of spots you can check online the Algonquin si- uh, park sites. Yeah, Friends and, of Algonquin, the par- the uh, provincial park site. They're all they're saying check back daily for updates. They 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 do as they approach this part of the season. They do they do do. Uh, you know, a lot of satellite imagery and stuff like that. And people are visiting the lakes and looking at the surfaces and seeing what happens. Yeah. So check them out online and uh, make sure you're not driving all the way up there and just to be turned back telling, uh, telling yeah. you you can't get in there. Because even if the ice does come out, the park staff has not been able to access some of the remote put-ins. So there could be uh, blowdowns. There could, they, they're not, they haven't even begun to clear some of those areas because there's still deep snow in the backwoods. Yeah, and some of the smaller lakes may have their ice out already that, uh, or come time when you're up there and uh, you hit the small lake, but once you start getting the bigger lakes, it's still there. So, yeah. you know, you're coming back anyway. So save yourself some time and, uh, and money and uh, just check things out before you decide to head to, up to the park. Um, but speaking of the park and canoe tripping, because, you know, we always do, I want to talk about the portage. Yes. This week. Uh, unless you're on a large body of water, like one of the Great Lakes or something like that, and you're in a kayak, um, you know, you're not going to hit a portage. The portage? But if you are in the park or you're in some wilderness area, you probably will not have a choice but to do a portage or two or ten. Um, <laughs> depending where you are. The portage may be well-marked and well-used. Um, farther north, you're going to find places where you've got to do a bit of searching for the portage. Uh, I know that we've done that in some of the wilderness um, parks and that, that we've been to where there's a little pile of rocks or a blaze on a tree that marks Sometimes the portage. Sometimes they're hard to find. And, and when you do find them, like it's, a lot of them are heavily overgrown. You just have hints of the, the old portage. I mean, uh, some guys from work, Pierre, Terry, and that I often go canoeing with. He, um, we, 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 was it two years ago or was it three? We did, uh, we went searching out the old Nostawagan route. So that you're talking the Solace Lands, up uh, Lady Evelyn Smoothwater, some of those areas. So there's some traditional portages up there and we went seeking the most. So we went to find them. And, and I remember one day it was, we did a lot of bushwhacking, dragging canoes between trees. And 
it uh, it was a uh, it was an eventful trip, but it was nice. We we successfully found there's sections of the portages that we never did find. We just kind of beat through the bushes, but it was neat to find the old traditional native uh, canoe routes or travel routes or whatever they call them. Yeah, we I've been in that position as well. Where you're it takes a while to find the portage, and once you do, you get all ready to go. You grab the canoe, got a pack on. You're heading down the trail. And then it, you know, gets a bit faint in spots and then all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> where and did it go? You're stuck in the middle of the woods <laughs> with a canoe on your head, wondering where to go. You so know yeah. the general direction of the, yeah. the lake you're going to. So. so you have to drop everything, backtrack till you see it again, see if you can find where it is. Yeah. And if you can't, then you're just bushwhacking right through everything. and Which is risky know. because... Uh, it, it's bushwhacky, like doing compass bearings and stuff. You can't do that in the deep bush. So you're, you, you could get turned around and it's, it is tough. Like we did that a few times too, kind of get off trail and, and we had to drop everything and start doing ever expanding circles until we found something that looked like a portage. Just left one guy there, marked it, went back, got the gear, joined the guy back up again. And so it's, it was, it makes for very long days. Yeah, it really does. But hey, it's all the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all fun. It's still, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just kind of sketchy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's sketchy. <laughs> so either way, the portage needs to be done, but how it gets done is up to you. Yes. So depending on where you're from, it's either pronounced portage or portage. Portage. And for some reason, Winnipeg, the, their their main crossroads is called Portage and Maine. And there's Portage La Prairie. Portage, Maine. Yeah, Portage La Prairie. Yeah. So I think it, in names, it's portage. It depends but on... But when I'm doing a portage. Yeah. Right? Well, it's the same thing like in Dalhousie University or Dalhousie in Nova Scotia. Same spelling, Port Dalhousie yeah. in, in Western, Ontario, southwestern, southwestern Ontario. Ontario, yeah. Port Dalhousie or Dalhousie. Same spelling. Different, t- yeah. Potato, potato, ketchup. Tomato, tomato. Catsup. 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 <laughs> so a portage is defined as the act of carrying... The carrying of boats, goods, etc., overland from one navigable water to another, the route over which this is done. So you portage your canoe and gear over a portage, <laughs> both verb and noun. <laughs> so portage is a way by land around an interruption in your water route. So whatever your route is, you know if there, there's going to be interruptions, uh, you got to get out. Until the early 19th century. Um, most inhabitants of what's now Canada traveled by water. Yes. You know, there were no roads or yeah, nothing else. Didn't have roads back then. It was just a horse water trails, trails. Or, yeah, yeah, water trails, horse trails, animal trails. So explorers Alexander Mackenzie and Simon Fraser were booting across the country, and they were able to make it from the St. Lawrence up to the Arctic and Pacific Oceans by paddling the waterways and portaging about a hundred times. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, <laughs> hundred times, that's not bad. Um, the natives often use the existing animal trails as their, as their portages around rapids and waterfalls. Then when the fur trade started, the voyageurs started using these same trails to carry their heavy loads and the large Montreal canoes. Right. Um, and then many years after that, once the recreational canoe tripping began, these same portages were put into use by people getting from lake to lake so they can camp, fish, that sort of stuff. And that's the part that pertains to us. Yes. Right? So we're using these these trails that were used like hundreds of years ago. For travel and trade. For traveling. It was, it was yeah. a way of life. It, was, it wasn't uh, recreational. It was, it was something that they had to do. Yeah. That was, their, that was their route, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so in the winter, you sit down with your maps and you plan out your canoe trip, all that sort of stuff. And... <laughs> One of the things you do is you look at your route and all the portages that you're going to have to do. Yeah, try and pick the ones with the smallest portages. Well, and that's exactly <laughs> it. You, you start with your big circle if you're doing a circle route and saying, you know, this is what I want to do. And then you start looking at the portages and you rearrange your route to decrease the number of the portages or to eliminate really long ones in favor of shorter ones. Because, I mean, you got to think, whatever gear you're taking... At the beginning of your trip, it's going to be really heavy. By the end of the trip, after you've eaten all the food and stuff like that, it's going to be a lot lighter. So you want the longer portages at the end of your trip, if you yeah. have to have any, right? Uh, eventually, you'll find yourself on a lake in your canoe, all your gear, and you're coming up to your portage. If it's well used and, and marked, 
you know, you should have no problems finding it. If it's not, you may find yourself paddling up and down the shoreline, which I've done. Yes. You know, and you pass it seven times, but just all of a sudden that eighth time, something catches your eye and and you see it. Uh, Once found, this is when your decision making begins. So let's just go through the portage. Once you find it, there's the takeout. That's where you land. In a utopian world, every landing would be soft, sandy beach. No obstructions, no rocks, no logs, nothing. Just glide (laughs) right in. so rare. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's not the case. Uh, Things you're going to have to worry about at a takeout. Rocks, logs, deeper water. So, you know, like you can't just step out of your canoe. Yes. You're going waist deep. Yeah. That's happened to me. Other parties on the portage, um, either just arriving or departing. So you've got to wait. Um, no clear landing spot to land and mud and bog are soft ground. Yeah, so like late in the season, low water. Low water causes the, all the mud. Yeah. So right? you got to trudge through mud to get ashore now. So that's the stuff you're going to find. So you have to decide on the best place to land your canoe. Um, the safest way to get yourself, your gear and your canoe onto dry land. That's your first goal of, of a portage. Once you've figured all that out and you've got all your stuff on dry land, hopefully with uh, minor amounts of cuts, bruises, swearing, (laughs) all that sort of stuff. First rule of portage etiquette. Clear your stuff from the takeout. Other parties may be coming from the other end of the portage that you don't see or people may be coming up behind you. You want to move all your stuff out of the way so that everybody has clear access to, to the, uh, the landing. And you see a lot of newbies who, who, who it, maybe it's just something they didn't know about. Right. And often, I, I don't know how many times you come across it. You get a group of, of kids who are, who they've all landed. The entire opening of their portages is blocked with like six or seven canoes. And so you, you kind of hover there. It's like, well, where am I going to land? And they look out at you saying, oh, look, there's more people coming, but they don't move their boats. Yeah. It's usually school groups or yeah. camps, they stuff just, like that. They right? just don't have a clue sometimes, Yeah, which is unfortunate and makes it tougher. But, uh, it, and this is where, you know, it's, it's, it's you, you just very gently make the suggestion that you'd like to land and it doesn't help to cause a fuss. Just maybe they'll kind of recognize it. Yeah. But you know, well, you see, and I've had that before as well, coming across a portage and there's the, everybody's got their canoes right there. Yeah. And it's like, they're Over, all slowly, you know, sitting on packs, sitting on eating packs, something, yeah, having or, a snack or something. Yeah. It's like, guys, like I've got this canoe on my head and none of you are budging. Yeah. Really? I'm going to step so, over you. Um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, gone up and moved canoes myself. Have you? Well, if I've got my canoe on my head, yeah. I go up, I put my knee on somebody's canoe and start moving it over. If they're, if they're watching me, yeah, I'm, I'm moving it whether you like it or not. Yeah. Right. So it, it's, it's just a case of, of etiquette, um, rudeness when it comes down to it. <laughs> I've got no time for that on, on the, on the portage. No, it's, it's a, well, for one thing, it's, it can be dangerous, right? So you've got a, you've got a pack on a canoe on your shoulders and, and you're trying to weave your way through somebody's gear packs and they're snacking, they're eating canoes laying everywhere. And so you could twist an ankle and fall. And, and so there's just, it's a safety thing as well, right? It is. It is. So once you've got all your gear on land and all your canoe and everything like that, and it's all out of the way, you have to make your plan for the portage. Everybody has their own methods and preferences. The basic goal, your gear, your canoe, get them to the other side. Yeah. As as basic as it gets, right? And it's, uh, for me, it's like early in the trip when my muscles aren't quite ready for it, I'll usually do a a double carry. And later on the trip when my muscles are used to it and I'm a bit stronger from all the portaging and all the paddling, then I usually try and do a single carry and just get it done with, right? Well, I've narrowed it down to five different ways to oh, yeah? portage. Really? I've got five five ways. Number one, pack on your back, canoe on your shoulders, and off you go in one trip. Okay? Yeah. That's your solo. That's your single yeah. your single carry, right? Yeah. Number two, pack on your back, canoe on your shoulders, walk as far as you go before laying down the canoe and carrying your pack to the far end of the portage, then back for the canoe. I've done that. Right. Okay. So that's, that's cool. That's like one and a half. Yeah. 
Number three, pack on your back, take it to the far end of the portage, come back for the canoe. That's a double. Yeah. Okay. So we got one, one and a half, and two. Yes. Okay. Number four, and these get longer as we go. Pack on your back, take it a ways down the portage, put it down, go back for the canoe. You can either rest when you get to the spot you put the pack and then repeat the one item carry, being your canoe or your pack, to the end. Um, or you can keep going with the canoe to the end of the portage, then come back for the pack. So it's whether you take a rest where you dropped your pack yeah, or so not. Yeah, so you're just doing a bit of leapfrogging. Yeah. Number five is the biggie. Pack on your back, take it a ways down the trail, put it down. Go back for the canoe, pass the pack, keep going before laying it down. Then go back for the pack. Put the pack on, walk back up, pass the canoe, go a ways before laying the pack down, then go back for the canoe. Repeat till pack and canoe are at the end of the portage. This is called leapfrogging. And usually when you do a portage like that, it's usually a difficult, there's uh, blowdowns, there's steep hills, it's rocky, it's too dangerous. Long. So it's, it's long and arduous. So, you, or it could be a rainy day or, yep. or something like that. Right. So it's, it's just quick little stints and trying to get through it in little chunks as easy as possible. Yeah. Especially on harder portages when you're doing that yes. sort of thing, it's, it's so yeah. much easier. Uh, how you get down the portage, everything down, it depends on various factors. Um, like I say, whether you do one, one, two, three, four, or five of that, it's going to depend on many things. Yeah. Uh, length of the portage, the amount of gear you have, the weight of the gear. I mean, you may have a tent, but if you've got a big tent, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's going to weigh a whole lot more. Time of day. Are you in a hurry at the end of the day sort of thing? Yes. If it's the beginning of the day, you're not in that big of a hurry. If you're at the yeah, end of the day and you know exactly. you've got a way to go, you know, you're going to be in a bit more of a, a hurry. Uh, your energy level. You know, if you've been traveling all day and you're just waning on that last yeah. granola bar, you know, <laughs> and you're, you're ready to die, you know, it's going to take you a lot longer. Um, the difficulty of the portage, flat and obstacle free or hilly with blowdowns and boulders. So all that's going to, you know, have an effect on on how you how you'd get everything down there, the time and, and yep. how you carry it. Oh, off. absolutely. So on the portage, while you're while you're doing the portage, you know, once you've made your decision on, on how you're gonna get the gear down it, um, it's all a matter of scooping it up in the appropriate manner and heading off the, the trail. But the portage may have obstacles you don't know about. Because you don't, unless you walk the portage first. Yeah. You're not gonna know, right? Yep. So there may be blowdowns, logs across the trail, hills and rocks to climb up and over, animals, and that's happened to me. That's happened to me too. Yeah. You know, you're you're ripping down the portage, having a good old time, and then all of a sudden there's a moose. Yeah. In the middle of the portage. I don't think I've ever come across an animal on the portage, but I've come across moose on the put in or the takeout, and usually it's a waiting game because it's like you're not gonna. If you ask the moose to move, it's not going to move. <laughs> He'll yeah. move when he's ready to go. And you don't want to approach the animal because they can be dangerous. I've come across moose on the portage and I've come across a wolf on the portage. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, McCraney. Yeah. Up on McCraney Lake. Yeah. Yeah. There was a a, a, a wolf drinking from the, there's, you know, there's a little creek you have to cross. Okay. And I'm coming up and he's sitting there drinking and he looks up at me and I'm looking at him maybe lasted about 20 seconds and off he ran. Hmm. So that was pretty cool though. That's surprising that you got so close to him. Was the stream making noise? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's why you got so close. Um, it actually, yeah. And it turns into a bit of a waterfall just, mm -hmm. so he's drinking just above the waterfall. Yeah. So he couldn't hear you. Yeah. Coming. So he couldn't hear me coming. Uh, there may be marshy areas that you've got to go through. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Um, little streams with small wood boards or rock steps to cross. You know, yeah. they put those little planks. Yeah, you they know, can be sketchy at times, eh? Yeah. Oh, uh, two years ago, I went down on one. Oh, yeah? Oh, man. I thought I broke my butt. Um, losing the trail completely and having to bushwhack. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely an obstacle on the portage. And other canoe parties coming from the opposite direction. Which brings us to port portage etiquette rule number two. If you have a pack on and see someone carrying a canoe coming towards you or overtaking you from behind, give them the right of way. Chances are they cannot see you and it is easier for you to move to the side with a pack 
than it is for them to move with a long canoe. That's really, and I've come across people just dilly-dallying up the trail yeah. and you can't get around them and mm-hmm. you've got a pack on and you've got this canoe on and, now you and going that behind. slow yeah. just makes everything that much heavier and you're just like, oh. <sighs> My yeah. buddy Pierre was telling me that he was, he was coming down a hill. He had the canoe on his head and a woman was coming the other way. She just had a day pack and some paddles in her arms. And so he is coming along. He's, she looks at him. And he's like, he's, there's no place for him to go. So he's just kind of trying to get around her. But as she approaches him, she jammed him in the nuts with the paddles, <laughs> tried to push him out of her way. Really? Yeah. And she had a day pack on and just some paddles. Wow. He was like shocked. He couldn't believe it. He almost fell over. It was, it was a set of a sloped area. He thought he was going to fall down the hill. And he just, he, he didn't say anything to her because he was so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she just just banged right into yeah, him. It's, paddles, it's like right? people don't have a clue at some times, yeah. right? He's got this, like a 17, 18 foot canoe on his shoulders. And he's like, what? what's going on you here? accidentally turn. <laughs> yeah. That's what he should have done. He should have well, The old just... Laurel and Hardy with the ladder <laughs> yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Like the boom on a <laughs> thump, massive thump. sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my yeah. bad. Yeah. It's just, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine the, 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 the gall of doing something like that. You've got a day pack on, just pull off to the side. Let the guy with the canoe go by. Nah, it's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> making, it, making an adventure. He might as well enjoy his portage. Yeah. <laughs> so after all of that, hopefully all going well, you, your gear, your canoe, all arrive at the far end of the portage safely and in one piece. Yes. <laughs> That's the goal. I've never had an event where I was injured on a portage. I've been pretty lucky. Um, Siobhan, she... Yeah. I, I remember once ever... it was... Uh, it was the portage uh, coming off of Ralph Bice, I think it was. And it was, so it was, it's a very rocky, stony portage. And I didn't see it happen. I was way at the other end. I came back to get some stuff and find her. And she's kind of moseying along. And, and she was very quiet. And I said, what's going on? She goes, I fell. <laughs> well, are you okay? She says, no, I'm fine. <laughs> she had fallen. She had the canoe pack on. It was strapped around her waist and around her shoulders. And the chest strap was done up. She fell and she managed to land on top of the pack like an upside down turtle and straps were so tight she couldn't unbuckle the buckles. She was trapped like an upside down turtle <laughs> in the middle of the portage. And she, she, she said it took her a while to, because the pack was so heavy, it wouldn't let her roll back over on her belly to loosen the straps. Yeah. She struggled for the longest time. I was like, oh, it did take you a long time. So she was stuck like a turtle upside down on the portage. Waiting for someone to come along. Help. Take pictures. <laughs> we laughed at that around the fire that night. I just, every time you try and picture it, her trapped. Legs Face flying up. in the air, arms. <laughs> just arms flailing. And <laughs> oh, I wish I'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Taking pictures. Yeah, I'll help you in a second. Hang on, let me get the camera out. <laughs> she said she was glad nobody saw her, but she said it would have been embarrassing. She was trapped on top of the pack. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know what? I've uh, I've slipped a couple times. Like I say, that one a couple years ago on that that board going across the marsh and just oh. went down like a sack of potatoes, and um, just a bit of a shock is what because all of a sudden your feet are out from under you yeah. and you've got this big pack and boom, yeah, you're yeah. down right. And, and uh, but I've never trying... actually broken anything or hurt myself. Just let out a couple of big f bombs and, <laughs> and got back up and it's one of those things you got to let yourself fall in the, in the safest way because that extra weight you can't just stop yourself from falling because you're going to pull a muscle yeah you just have to find some way to yep. let it happen yep um so all being well like you say everything's down at the end of the portage in one piece all safe and sound and ready to go the far end of the portage is called the put in because you're That's where in. you put your canoe back in. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. I don't make these rules. <laughs> I don't make them. I just report them, folks. Uh, so depending on the weight of your gear, the length of the portage, you'll be happy when you see the water on the far end of the portage. When you're coming around that last little bend and you can see the water through you the trees. You start to see it thin out. You start oh, to you're, see the blue. Yeah, you're happy. On extremely difficult portages, where the trail disappears, you had to bushwhack through the trees, through long stretches of old raspberry bushes resulting in, you know, like multiple scratches on your arms and legs. The bugs are treating you like a 12-course buffet. 
500 degree heat in the noon sun, you're tra uh, tripped and smashed, your feet and shins on locks and rog uh, logs and rocks. You found that bog hole you had to walk through up to your waist. You're really yeah. selling this. <laughs> Stinky mud. You know, when you see that water after all of that, you might actually cry a little. Thank all the gods you can think of. You might even do a little Irish jig. <laughs> it's a different supportages. <laughs> you may just walk right into the water up to your neck and say, thank God. I've done that. I have done that. Just totally covered in mud and everything else. Yeah. And you just walk into the water up to your waist, put the canoe down. Yeah. <laughs> Came right here. Because that's just brutal. I think we've all had, had yeah. portages that we would just never, ever, ever do. I would go 50 miles around, then do that portage again sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're talking about the tough things with portages. What do you like about portages? The end? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when, when you're tired and you do the triple carry and you're just... Triple carry? That wasn't in my list. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got a couple packs or whatever. But anyways... When, when you're moving the family home. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're doing multiple walks across a portage, so when you're going back to get something and all you have is maybe a water bottle and a granola bar, that's usually one of the nicest parts of a portage because you're actually looking around because... Uh, me with that, when I've got the big canoe pack on and it's heavy and I'm just looking down, watching my feet so I don't stumble. Or if I had the canoe on my head, I can't see really much mm -hmm. of anything, but again, my feet. But then when you're walking back, you could get to, you get to see stuff. Yeah. Um, usually I'll take a camera or something back and I'll do a couple of pictures along the way yeah. or, or, you know, I'll, yeah, you, you know where you want to go and check stuff out. Sometimes you're, you're bypassing a waterfall or yeah. something, right? Yeah. So that's the perfect time to go check all that out is on that, uh, when you're walking back for the second stuff. And usually if they're, you're with somebody that's, you know, you both of you are usually heading back for a second load. Yeah. So yeah. you live in a little chit chat along the way. Exactly. And, yeah. And that sort of stuff. So yeah, you know what? There are good things about the portage uh, besides it being done. Um, but also there's like one thing that I like about, and I, I think of Algonquin, but also like up north in Solace Lands, up in Lady Evelyn Smoothwater, like some of those bigger parks, the, uh, the more portages you do, especially for like a touristy park like Algonquin, mm -hmm. you do one or two difficult portages and suddenly you are alone. Yeah. Like most people do entry lakes and, uh, me, I, I go right to the center of the park often and, and there's just nobody there. Nobody. You, you find a couple other hardcore people, but you don't have the crowds. Yeah. So you don't have the large groups of people at the, on the front or back end of the portage. You're suddenly you're alone. It's a lot quieter. You a lot more private. You're really enjoying the trip then. And, and so like these things, you know, it, it kind of makes you appreciate a portage in a way. Well, what I found with some of the uh, more northern parks is the portages aren't as long. Like, I mean, you'll be yeah. going through Algonquin, you're doing like a 400, a 500, 750 meter portages. And up in some of these parks, you're, it's a 50, it's a 100, yeah, it's there's, 70, there's 75. More water. It's, yeah, you're talking yeah. You're, you're the uh, Canadian Shield, you got all these larger puddle like lakes and small portages between, but southern Ontario. You get more land masses and where there's more growth, there's more dirt and whatever mm -hmm. build up and you've got more growth. So it, the, the portages tend to be longer and less, less lakes. Yeah. I guess to the point though, where, yeah, you're doing these small portages, but there's so many of them. It's, it's, and it's, it's like, what a waste of time getting out for 50 meters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if we paddle fast enough, hit a good rock, yeah. <laughs> maybe can, just skip it. Can we just drag across <laughs> those rocks? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know what? There's, there's pros and cons to portaging. And, uh, I mean, as you know, the old thing says, if any, uh, Bill Mason, water walker says, if anybody tells you they like portaging, they're liars. <laughs> they're liars. Yeah. <laughs> Either crazy yeah. or a liar. You learn so. to appreciate them sometimes, but they're, there's, they're never nice. But you know what? If you've been paddling across some big lakes and then up a river into another big lake and you haven't like, I mean, if you've been paddling for like four hours straight yeah it's nice to get out and stretch your legs you, too yeah absolutely you know yeah. and i have a pee yeah it's, <laughs> you're paddling for hours it's like oh thank god we found a portage very quickly oh 
Thank God we got back, back on the, the water. Canoe, yeah. It's like it's it's just that constant change, and it, that, it just that's... can't please you. It's <laughs> <laughs> just no please. Absolutely you. not. You know. <laughs> so either way, once you get to the end of the portage, again you're going with that uh, rules of portage etiquette and clear. Keep your stuff clear. Yes. Right. Because there's uh, maybe people following you down the portage, or they're you know while you're sitting there having a snack or something, another group may show up. You know, yeah. and from that point of view, do you want to interrupt your nice little snack to have to go move all your gear? Yeah. So move it ahead yeah, of move time. Move ahead of time, place it yeah. to the side. Um, unless I know that we're getting right back into the canoe, I'll usually put it farther up. Yeah. So like do close I, too, I, but not right I, at the I landing, take it right? a couple, like 50, 60 meters up the trail and stick it in the edge mm-hmm. of the woods. Yeah. And that way, you know, if people are coming in, you know, but if, I mean, if we come down to the, the, the put in and there's nobody on the lake Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're, we're jumping right back in, then yeah, you put the canoe right in, load it up and off you go sort of thing. Uh, just a couple things to think out. out. What do you do on long, long portages to keep yourself, to keep your mind off of, um, you know, shoulder pain and leg pain and stuff on longer portages? I, I get pretty good at kind of turning my brain off. So I usually concentrate on, I... I make noises and sing with my breathing and I concentrate on my breathing alone. So I'll like the, the heavy breathing will I make into a song type thing. It usually distracts me enough that I can ignore the shoulder pain as the, as the yoke digs into the bone and muscle and whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, so singing, counting steps, chatting with somebody else, if they're, you're with somebody. Um, but no, I do <laughs> funny you should say it because with the breathing, I do the breathing with the steps. Mm-hmm. And it almost has this rhythmic breathing thing going on. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, snacks and fluids. I will never do snacks and like water before a portage. Yeah. I'll usually drink water at the end of the portage and yeah. sometimes I'll have a snack. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it very often. Unless it's been a really long day and yeah, a really it, long yeah, portage. Yeah, it really depends. I would rather do it at the end of the portage than at the beginning. I've seen people kind of have a mini meal on a portage. You yep. pass them by and I've never done that. It's, I, I've never want, well, for one, when you get into a portage, it's immediate, you get slammed with bugs. Yeah. So I just want to get on the portage and get off again and yeah. get back on the water and, and I'll have some water and a snack when, once we get in the middle of the lake type thing. Right. Yeah. But I, I generally avoid consuming anything on a portage except for bugs when they yeah, if I'm doing something, it'll usually be like some jerky, a quick uh, handful of yeah, yeah. gorp and or, yeah. or granola bar or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, usually I drink water before I hit the canoe again, but uh, that's about it. Um, I know some of the northern trips, when you're not in that big of a hurry and we're paddling a lot, we will stop at the end of a portage and if it's like a big rock or, or something like that. If it's open, breezy. Yeah, big no open, bugs. breezy. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stop and have a, a yeah. good lunch. But other than that, not usually. Uh, just a little mention about some other parts of the portage, which on longer ones that you know are flat, like almost like a road or old, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, old train, um, trestle, uh, railway tracks used yep. to go through yep. and were torn up. Uh, you get the portage carts. So you put your canoe on, yeah. on well, wheels. Who's the right? uh, filmmaker that we watched doing that? It was uh, Frank. Frank Wolf. Frank Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Borealis. Uh, Borealis, yeah. He had a 21 kilometer and a 55 kilometer portage. Wicked. Yeah. Put that on wheels and walk it. Yeah. And right? he did. He had a well, Mike Rant is doing yeah. that right now. Yeah. He's got a wicked uh, cart. He's mm-hmm. got uh, his hip straps, big bicycle tires for his uh, for his canoe cart. It's it's quite the nice little rig. Yep. Um, sometimes you will come across portage railways. So you stick all your gear on a car, like a little railway car thing, or like a little flat thing. Yeah. And there's actually railway tracks up and over the portage. So you just we'll push it. Or... about that. I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've only seen a couple. Of, I've never used one. Yeah. I've seen them like in pictures and on film. Yeah. I've never... But I've never actually seen one live or used one. Yeah. Uh, and back in the day with the larger boats, sometimes the portages would have rollers. Yes. Like big logs. They would cut logs and they'd use these, the big Montreal boats or whatever they call them. They would just roll them on the logs and yeah. 
the 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 uh, the voyageurs would like take the log from the back and throw it up front so that it could keep rolling on these logs. Yep, and that went into the uh, the lumbering days as well. Yeah, right. Um, a wicked amount of work, eh? Yeah. I hope we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, we can just <laughs> throw it on our shoulders and walk. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad we didn't have Sherpas. Five hundred pound canoe. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Um, so believe it or not, there are unwritten rules regarding the portage. This is the portage etiquette we've been talking about. Yep. Um, I'll just go through five basic ones. Number one, do not block the takeout or put in. Just don't. I mean, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Don't. Yeah. Even if you think, oh, it's a short portage, it'll be right back. Some of them might come along and then they've got to maybe step through your canoe and maybe damage your canoe as they try to get ashore. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's not worth the hassle. No. Number two, be courteous to other parties on the portage. Give way to the person carrying the bigger load. And that's usually the person carrying the canoe. It's, yeah. Give them exactly. right away. Uh, if you're slow on the portage, take a minute, move to the side and let others pass. Yeah. So don't you don't hold, hold everybody them up, up. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you may, everybody else may have the same size load as you, but if you're walking half the speed as everybody else. Mm -hmm. you know, take a smaller stride or whatever. And that's what you do. I mean, I get my stride when I'm, I'm walking a portage <laughs> and all of a sudden I get somebody behind somebody slow. It just holds me right up. You just want to slap them. Oh, just run them right down like a dog in the street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if eating or drinking, do not leave your trash behind. Oh. You bring it, you take it. It amazes me that people would find uh, the time to go out into the pristine wilderness and leave their crap behind. I have found umbrellas, underwear, socks, socks potatoes. Zip ties. Zi a zip tie. Oh, that's a huge one. Zip ties and bread clips. Um, bug stuff. Uh, bubble gum wrappers. Yeah. Water bottles. Lawn chairs. Unbelievable the junk and garbage you yeah. find. If you bring it, take it. Yeah. It's not that hard. Number five, say hello to the other trippers. I always do that. You know, ask them how their trip is going. Because you know what? It costs nothing to be friendly. Yeah. And they may be able to give you, if you're going the way that they just came from, they may <laughs> be able to give you some tips and say, hey, when you're coming to this, watch out. Or, yeah, there's a bear. You know, yeah, there's, <laughs> you guys are heading to that lake. We just got off there today yeah. and there was nobody else on it. Yeah. So if you're rushing to get that last spot of the day. Yeah. You know, now you know, there's nobody there. And you can relax. Relax, take your time, get there, yeah. and you're going to get a site that you want. And you find out he lied to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you hunt him down. <laughs> so that's all about the portage. And uh, there's, <laughs> I mean, the ultimate goal is Just get your gear from one end to done. the other. But there's so much involved with it that you really don't think about. You I just know, I know. Start and, to take it for granted. And I guess the biggest thing to convey is, is the fact of the portage etiquette. And, and take some time to smell the flowers and enjoy it. Because so often you do a single carry, you're tucked in underneath the canoe, you don't really see or enjoy the portage. And mm -hmm. You could have passed by some really fantastic looking trees or a cliff view or who knows what. Yeah. So sometimes it's nice just to smell the flowers. Take time and enjoy the portage when you're not carrying stuff. It's all part of the journey. That's right. So when you're portaging, enjoy it this year. And uh, hopefully there's lots of good ones and everybody can do them safely and uh, no, no big problems. Uh, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, something else we need to be checking on, a piece of gear yes. that uh, sometimes you don't think about. You never think about it. I do, but maybe you don't. <laughs> you are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk for a second. Um, 
about your a PFD, your life jacket, your life preserver. Being spring, uh, it's one of those things people overlook um, every year. They just go get all their gear out of the shed. Yeah, you just garage. Make, you make assumptions, right? Like uh, the paddle's good, uh, the canoe's good. Like, like the, I think the biggest thing people would go over, at least what I go over, is the health of my canoe. Uh, you yeah. know, I take a look at the canoe. I, I sort of glance at my my packs because I remember the condition they were, <laughs> the poor condition they were from last year. Yeah. But the only thing I really pay attention to is the canoe itself, and I seem to always ignore my life jacket. Yeah, I mean, once you throw your PFD into the, the shed or hang it up in the, the garage or whatever, you know, you don't need it till spring, you don't really think about it. Because, yeah, over the winter, you're thinking about a new canoe or a new tent or yeah. something like that, right? The bigger pieces of yeah. stuff. And then you just grab your, your paddles and your life jackets and off you go. Your life jacket is one of those essential gears that really kind of tend to be overlooked. It's one of those things you, it's like, well, I have to wear it. It's not like I enjoy wearing it. It's not like I look forward to wearing it. It's, it's just there. It's like the, that, that mole on my back that I just carry around all the time, what? whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Too much information there, buddy. So, but think about how your PFD gets treated. Which is pretty poorly. You know, it gets it gets tossed on the ground, gets used as a, you know, like a cushion. It gets used as a pillow. Uh, gets hung on trees when you're on a canoe trip, yep. covered in sap, uh, soaked by the rain, dried by the sun. It is the one piece of gear that gets the most sun of all of your gear. Mm-hmm. People use them as uh, kneeling pads. Yeah, in the which in the you canoe, shouldn't. Which you shouldn't. No. Um, gets thrown in the back of your car and then into the garage it goes till you need it again. Exactly. It gets a lot of abuse. Yes. So realistically, spring is the perfect time to check it. I mean, you should always keep an eye, but springtime, you should just check it over with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Pull it out and just go over everything, you know. And, and if you see questionable things, like it, I guess the, the, some of the biggest wear items is going to be how do you tie a, a throw bag or anything to it are you securing stuff to it is it in the sun a little too much do you do salt water like are you uh are you salt, salt water kayaking or, or whatever like there's some wear and tear that can your your life jacket could be exposed to that you may not realize until it could be too late yeah well let's just let's just go through things when you throw that in the garage or the shed over the winter you know you haven't You've left everything on from the previous season. You haven't given it a wash or something yeah, like that. There's still you're going to get your mold and mildew. Your mold and mildew, right? Yep. Right there. Th- there's a potential for that. Yes. This this breaks down the fabric and the foam inside. Absolutely. When you throw it in there, you got to remember who's in your shed and garage over the winter. Chipmunks, squirrels, yeah. mice could have a nest in there. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be looking in there. And if they you know even if they don't tear it apart, if they use like build their nest in your your PFD. Well, you know, there's going to be the droppings and everything else like that. It's going to deteriorate. Yeah. There's just something else you want to do. After you use your life jacket, you should always give it a wash with with water, especially salt water. Hose it down. Yeah, you got to get that salt water yep. off it. Dry it, hang it up and dry it, but out of direct sunlight. Uh, like I say, the, the direct sun will degrade the fabric. Yes. The right? UV eats away the fabric. So hang it up in your garage and let it dry, but you got to make sure you wash it and dry it. So some of the things you want to look at when you pull your life, your life jacket out, rips and tears. I mean, that's first off that's the bat. That's a given, yeah. That, that's a given. You're going to see. Check the webbing. Make sure it's solid and not frayed. You know, especially like you say, if you hang stuff off of it and whatnot. Uh, is the fabric fading? Because that's a sign that your PFD may be heading the way of the dodo. Um, zippers. And other metal bits, check them for corrosion, especially if you're doing the salt water. Most life jackets nowadays are like a nylon plastic uh, mm-hmm. material for the zippers. I haven't seen a metal zipper in a life jacket in a long time. I think we were looking at them last year. Yeah, yeah it was last year. Last year. We were picking them up. And there was a couple brands still with the zipper. Oh, yeah. And then the, the, the metal, buckles that go over. And yeah. a metal buckle? It was a, well, not metal buckle. Okay. Metal yeah. zipper. Yes. Right? So those are going to corrode as well and come oh, yeah. apart. Yeah. Right? Uh, check the adjustment buckles, the plastic buckles. You don't want yep. to make sure they're, they're not cracked and they're not broken. Yeah. The adjustment ones on the side, 
right? You want to make sure those aren't bro yeah. broken. So there's all that to look at. The big one is feel the foam interior. Yeah. Give it a squeeze. Because when you put on a life jacket, it's all stiff and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. Remember when you first try on that life jacket, you're like, uh, it'll not... work in a bit. Yeah. Right? If you're able to like push in that and you feel and it's folding and it's yeah, soft it and it's lumpy, or lumpy or, yeah. it's time. Yeah. That, that's not a good sign. It, it's, it's worn out. It's uh, had its day. It's, you know, you really, it's, it's lost its flotation ability. Yes. Yeah. Once the foam starts to break down, it, it starts to absorb water. And, and that's one of the things, like if you, if the foam's starting to break down and this is something you should do every spring anyways, I always do it. And I often just jump in and swim with the jacket. So you put the life jacket on, you jump in the water so it's deep and you tip your head back and the life jacket should hold your head above water. If it doesn't have enough flotation, like they, what do they say? Like 10 to 15 pounds of flotation to keep the average person mm -hmm. above water. So that, you know, most jackets do come from like in the, like you're talking sports life jackets in the range of 15 to 25 pounds of flotation. So if it's not holding your head above water, then the foam has started to break down a little too much and, and you need a new life jacket or you need something that's bigger. Yeah. That's the rule we always went by is you jump in and you lay on your back, you float on your back and you tilt your head back. If your mouth is underwater, you don't. You have better enough, be hitting yeah. the life jacket store. Yeah, exactly. Because that is not going to save you when you need it. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, and that's the big thing. If you're unconscious or something, yeah. you need that because if your mouth's hanging open, yes. you're drowning. And and I think most life jackets nowadays, like, they used to have life jackets that had, had uh, you know, collars and stuff to hold your head above water, but... A lot of sports life jackets, they're not designed for an unconscious person. They're mm -hmm. designed to float a conscious person. So, yeah. and that's why you, you have to, you know, that's why you have to trip with other people to keep an eye on you. If you lose consciousness, the, the modern life jacket for sports, it, it's not going to hold an unconscious person's face up. Do you remember the old, um, you used to call them the horse life jackets. It was the, oh, the old ones that went around collars. your neck, yeah. the horse collar, like yeah. a horse collar. Yeah. Those, we used to wear those ones with the big strap that just ties around you, wrapped yeah. around you like seven times. Exactly. Cuts the circulation <laughs> off. You, yeah, your yeah, ears yeah. are barely poking yeah. out. And, and you have to turn your whole body because you can't just turn, turn your, your head. head. Yeah. Those it's were like, the good old days like you're in the on a 70s. Board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those yeah. are gone. Those are gone. Uh, I w I'm glad we don't have those anymore. Um, but yeah, there's so many different types of, of PFDs out there now. And now they got the ones with the just the uh, the belt. For like stand up paddle boarders and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, yep. so yeah, the boom. basic, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Those those are. Uh, eh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the one thing you have to think about when it comes to PFDs is there is no expiry date. Yes. On on a PFD, um, there's yeah. You can't just look at the tags where it says extra large, yeah. extra small, whatever, uh, and see oh due date of yeah five days from manufacturer yada 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 like yeah. it's not like a car seat for children this the the uh, pfd is it's up to you to determine when it's expired like if you see the seams start to weaken like a too much uv light you see a seams weaken you see the plastic or the uh, sorry the nylon uh, is fading from sunlight or the buckles or the straps are getting frayed and stretchy but it's it's time to retire because it's it's one of those crucial items sure it costs a uh, you know, some of them are, can be a little expensive, but you know, what's your life worth, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they, they do get, that's what I find. Life jackets and paddles are more expensive than you'd think they'd be. Yes. You kind of surprising. Um, but we always went by the rule of five years is five to six years is when you should be looking at that life jacket to get mm -hmm. a new one. But it, when I was doing some reading, um, there's other people that do the same thing. Five years. Uh, and someone I also read, or 300 canoe trips. I, I prefer the length of trips as opposed to five years because I've got some, I've got uh, two spare life jackets that never get used. So they're still in pristine condition and they just sit there, right? Just mm -hmm. they're, they're the back, my backups. So, you know, the, my, my regular one, which I've got, you know, my, my tools hanging off of and this, that, the other thing, it's... That's, they get used every trip. And I, I went out and I spent the money to buy a really good one that was comfortable so that I would wear it all the time. 
Well, and that's what I did with my last one is actually the one I got now is I uh, made sure I had a, had a good one that I would wear all the time. But uh, yeah, you know what? I think it all depends on what you do canoe trip wise, whether it's five years or 300 trips. Yeah, um, absolutely. But definitely when it comes, it's, it's spring. Pull out your life jackets, all of them. Give them a good once over. Give them a wash down, a wipe down, all the grease and grime that you left there from last year. And give them a good once over. And if you have any doubts, it's best just to, to get rid of it. Yes. Go get yourself a new one because at the end of the day, if it's not doing what it's supposed to do, then why have it? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, I think that's all I've got to say on about updating your That's all PFD. I got to say about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Check them out and get a new one if you need to. And, uh, wow, just like that, we're right at the end of our show. End of the show. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so remember all your portaging stuff, especially your etiquette. Uh, portaging is simple. Get your gear from one end to the other. And make sure you're taking this nice, clean, new PFD <laughs> with you on your trip. Yeah. You know, make sure, make sure it's all good, right? Buy a new life jacket. Buy a new life jacket. The show is sponsored by... <laughs> Buy a new life jacket. <laughs> I can name the places to get them. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? In the meantime, check us out on Facebook. You can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Twitter. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. 